from the Theology of the Body Institute, this is the Ask Christopher West Podcast. This is our first recording since this coronavirus, COVID-19 craziness broke loose on the U.S. and around the world. It was obviously it was going on around the world, but since we last recorded, it has really hit home Mm -hmm. for us. Just a couple weeks ago, I was in the midst of a very busy travel season and had lots of trips coming up, and now life has changed dramatically and we're all going through it together Mm -hmm. and this is this is something i've been feeling a a solidarity with the world in a way that i haven't really in the past it it was more an idea the solidarity but i really feel a this is a global experience we're all going through it It together yeah what have been some of the kind of positives fruit you may have seen in this time, uh, just in what you've, I don't know, seen on news or heard from people. What has been the positive? Yeah. Well, it, I think it always brings out both the best and sometimes the worst mm-hmm. in our humanity. And I like to see the best coming out. Yeah. I, it was acts of kindness, acts of service. We, I think as Catholics, as believers in God's love for us, we have a unique opportunity to be witnesses to that peace that surpasses understanding. Yeah. And I've been challenged each day just to be in a a posture of deepened surrender. Mm -hmm. I've been realizing what what an absolute illusion it is to think I'm in control of anything. Mm Mm-hmm. And what a what a farce to to think I know what's going to happen in my future. You know, there I was. Well, obviously, we often assume and make plans, and we had made plans for all kinds of events and yeah. courses, and then boom, they're gone. They're done. I'm not going anywhere. I was expecting a very busy time of travel, which I was kind of gearing up for, and you were gearing up yep. for, and now we're I'm home for the next. Who, who who knows, however long. Mm-hmm. And there's a blessing there. There's also uncertainty there. Right. This is how we make our living. This is how we support the ministry. We have lots of families here at the Institute. We have eight full-time employees, and and most of them are family people with children. And the engine has just stopped. Mm-hmm. So we're looking for creative ways to continue to stay in touch with all of you guys. Podcast is obviously one of the ways we can yeah, easily do that. Maybe, so maybe some of you have been catching up on some podcast episodes that now that you have a little more time on yeah. your hands. Yeah, which is awesome. I also came across this quote from JP2 that I, I wanted to share that is pertinent. He said this in 1980, and it was in relation to questions coming up about Sister Lucia's third secret which from Fatima which at that time in the early 80s had not yet been made known it mm-hmm. wasn't made known until 2000 and this was also before John Paul II was shot mm-hmm. but it's pertinent to what we're going through here he says when the question came up what is this third secret of Fatima and John Paul's response was we have to be ready for impending tribulations 
which he says may require the sacrifice even of our lives. And it will certainly require of us the gift of ourselves to and for Christ. Then he says, the intensity of these impending trials can be diminished by our prayers, but they cannot be avoided because it's only through trials that true renewal can come. Well, that's a remarkable line. It's only through trials mm-hmm. that true renewal can come. This is quite the trial that we're all going through as as the human family. And then he, he concludes by saying, let us be strong and let us make ready, trusting in Christ and his mother. I think that's the key line, trusting. Trusting in Christ and his mother. I, I find myself waking up in the morning and just saying, Lord, I trust you. Lord, I trust you. Mm. When I find myself getting anxious throughout the day, when I find myself thinking, How's, how are we going to pay the bills? Just, Lord, I trust you. Lord, I trust you. Lord, I trust you. Lord, I trust you. And I, I say it again. I say it right now. I say it in front of you, my wife. I say it in front of all the listeners out there. Not in front of, not like I'm in front of you, but you're listening. Mm-hmm. And I just want to proclaim, Lord, I trust you. Mm. Uh, it's a scary thing, but uh, how many times do we hear Jesus saying, be not afraid, be not afraid. You of little faith, be not afraid. I think of the so many stories, but the one in in the when they're in the boat and they're getting swamped and yeah. Jesus is asleep and they're like, Lord, what are you doing sleeping? We're, don't you care that we're about to perish here? Mm-hmm. You have little faith. You have little faith. Lord, yes, I do have little faith. But you say even the faith the size of a mustard seed can move mountains. But Lord, I do believe increase my faith, help my unbelief. That's just where I'm, I'm living these days. I do believe, help my unbelief, Lord. So it's a challenge to trust. It's a challenge to detachment. It's a challenge to learn the peace that Christ gives that is not the way the world gives. He says, in this world, you're going to have troubles, but take heart for I have overcome the world. So I see it as this is all a net gain. The Lord is allowing this to bring about a purification, to bring about a deepened trust, a renewal. As John Paul II says, renewal cannot come without trial. So here we go. What else are we to do? What else are we to say? Yeah, I know I've um, had many of the same thoughts. And just, I think we're all processing something new. And it can kind of, even if we've had sort of solid faith in our normal routines, I think when our routines are so interrupted that kind of anxiety can kick in. I know for me, you know, we've been watching things changing in our church life a little bit, you know, beginning with several weeks ago, no sign of peace, no sharing of the precious blood. And then I remember at that time rolling my eyes saying, oh, come on, this is, this is, this is ridiculous. Right. We're getting, we, we're making a mountain out of a molehill. But we here. didn't know. Yeah, we, we didn't know. We and didn't here know. it is. And then, and then it was you're released of your obligation to attend mass. And then it was please stay home if you're sick. And I did stay home from mass because I did have a cold. And then you know, next thing we know in our diocese, it was we are not going to be having mass, and churches are going to be closed. And so this feeling of like the normal consolations to our faith are yes, kind of yes. being removed. And 
I was just talking with our pastor this morning, actually. I wanted to ask him something specifically because of our podcast coming up. And he said that um, while they're staying out of church, other than he goes in to say say Mass privately, no one else is going in our church. Um, He said, but he would absolutely meet with anyone who wanted to go to confession. He Mm -hmm. said, I'd probably do it outdoors (laughs) if possible. Mm -hmm. But also he said, we are continuing to anoint the sick who are in danger of death. And that's our calling as priests to Mm. take that risk and to to go there. So we are doing that. And I thought that's really beautiful uh, in in the context of our current situation. Didn't he also say he's only doing graveside funerals? Oh, yes. Uh, Someone else told me that. But yes, that he has permission only to do graveside funerals, not in the church. Um, But thank God we at least have those necessary graces available to us. And and he also said something to me that I thought maybe is relevant for our listeners, that even the contrition and intention to confess our sins, the Lord knows that mm-hmm. if we are prevented from m- making our sacramental confession, that it's not as though God doesn't know the sincerity of our remorse and right. desire to confess. So I just found those words from him comforting, and other priests have said similar things to me, yes, you know, because we are we are in hard times. And one of the things I've noticed for myself is that watching news can kind of put me in an anxious place. And yet I find myself going there, kind of checking in yeah. on the news more frequently and maybe not enough more frequently really calming myself for prayer. I feel like even the the number of prayer intentions that I suddenly have is also overwhelming mm-hmm. in a way. Mm-hmm. You know, just like, oh, I want to pray for those people and for those people in this situation. And what about that? And And that can kind of feed anxiety rather than a genuine, as you were talking about, being in a posture of deeper trust and of renewal coming through trial. One of the images that just kind of came to me um, yesterday was of Pope John Paul II and just his proclamation, what you mentioned a few minutes ago, be not afraid. Be not afraid. And he who lived through many frightening things yeah, in goodness. his past in um, Eastern Europe. And what does he mean? What What do you think? There are different levels to that, be not afraid. Yeah. And yet something so contagious about it. I think that, you know, is a, a gift that the Lord just poured, a grace that he poured into John Paul II was that taking into his deep heart to not be afraid and his ability not just to say the words but by his whole being to communicate how true it is that we don't need to be afraid. I don't think he's saying there's nothing to be afraid of. Mm -hmm. Where does fear come from? Fear comes from real things that stir fear in our lives. Mm -hmm. So it's not like there's nothing. He's not saying you're ridiculous to be afraid but he's. I think he's saying yeah, on a natural plane, there is reason to be anxious. There's reason to be afraid. But there's another dimension. There's another plane. And I think it's exactly what, what Jesus was said. In this world, you will have trouble. In this world, mm-hmm. you will have trouble. But Jesus is calling us to another realm. My kingdom is not of this world. And when I said earlier, I'm, I'm going through a deeper level of detachment, it's really 
causing me to to recognize where I have been and am attached to this world in the sense of wanting my happiness to be from this place and both be not afraid and in this world you'll have trouble but take heart I've overcome the world that's why we shouldn't be afraid take heart I have overcome the world to bring you into this other world if we expect our happiness to be in this world St. Paul talking about the resurrection says if there's no resurrection we are to be pitied more than anybody Right. If there is no other world, we are to be pitied more than anybody, we as, in terms of as Christians. Meaning, we're putting all our hope in another world. That's what allows us not to be afraid. If, if we're putting our hope in this world, there is reason to be afraid. <laughs> and this is why I think we as, as believers at this particular time, with what we're all going through, have a great opportunity to be witnesses to this peace that surpasses worldly understanding. Lord, Precisely. give it to us. Yes, Lord, please. pour it out on us. Please, Lord, please, mm-hmm. please, Lord, give us that peace. May this trial that we're all going through together, may it be the occasion of a, a, a real conversion of our hearts to peace, not the peace the world gives, but the peace that you give, Lord. And that peace is our reason not to be afraid. Mm. Did I say that clearly? I, th- I think I might have tripled. Tripled. There I go. Tri- <laughs> I think I might have tripped on some of my. I think I might have tripled on some of my own words there. Did that come across? It was clear to my heart. I don't okay. know if all the words were precise, but it was clear. Thank you. Yeah, it's very encouraging to keep that perspective. And I think of when I. When I speak to the saints and members of our own family that I trust are with the Lord, I, yes. they don't seem concerned. Yeah. <laughs> They're like, come on up. <laughs> it's real good over here. <laughs> I think another good antidote, and I've just been trying to put this into practice myself, is to continue to praise him like Job. Right? You give and take away, Lord, still blessed be your name. I've been singing that. How's that song go? Uh, you give and take away that one. Yeah. Yeah. Still blessed be your name. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Thank mm-hmm. you, Lord. You have not changed. You still love us. You've got a plan. This is all in your hands. We can trust you. Be not afraid. Yeah. I think before we get to a question, there were a couple of responses to some previous podcasts that we just wanted to um, address on this podcast. One was our most recent podcast, um, episode 62, I think it's called To Give Life, is called. Several people, in, just in recent days, so I know they're, it's in the midst of this um, time of quarantine, they, just sending us gratitude about that particular podcast. So we praise the Lord that that has um, blessed people's hearts. And one of our listeners, Adam, uh, had a song come to his mind as he was listening to that um, previous podcast. And I just thought you would like to respond to Adam. Adam. I want to give you a shout out when I was talking, when we were talking, Wendy and I, in, in this last episode about birth and the the spiritual forces going on in birth. Of course, the song came to me. I can feel it coming back again like a rolling thunder chasing the wind. Yeah, that's uh, live from the 90s. 
what's the song called? Lightning, Lightning crashes. crashes. Lightning Crashes. So Adam wrote in and just said, when he was listening to the episode, that song came to his mind. Adam, I almost, in the very moment when we were recording that episode, that song came to my mind, and I almost broke into song and started singing it, but I, I withheld. <laughs> but I just wanted to give you a shout out, Adam. I'm right with you. I feel the, uh, the communion there, Adam, in hearing that song. Yeah. So thanks for sharing that. Yeah, and then there was another question that one of our listeners who works in marriage and family ministry, we had a question about whether Catholics have to get married in a church. Right, And right. this question should definitely always be you know, taken up with your diocesan office. And right. a friend of ours who works in a diocesan office said, oh, wait, I have some clarifications, you know, you probably need to make on that question. So, I, you wanted to say something so about Rudy that. So, Rudy Toot Toot, open the shoot. Uh, that's a shout out to my friend, Jay. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> yeah, thank you, Jay, for sending in some helpful clarifications yeah. uh, regarding that issue about m getting married in church. First of all, I had said that the canonical form of marriage was finalized in the 1200s, and he made the proper correction that that didn't happen until the Council of Trent in the 1500s. And here we we have to distinguish, just to add clarity to what we had said about getting married in a church or not. There's a difference between getting a dispensation from the canonical form, which would typically happen when a Catholic is marrying a Protestant and they want to get married in the Protestant person's church. The couple can, through all right roads and processes through their Catholic diocese, get what's called a dispensation from the form. And that means they can get validly married if they have that dispensation. A priest doesn't even need to be there as the witness and, and typically would not be. But there's something separate. The, uh, the different issue and the different question that came up, what about two Catholics? Do they always have to get married in a Catholic church? And this is a separate issue. Church law does allow in specific cases, it would be rarely granted, but in specific cases, the church law would allow a wedding to take place in a place other than a church, but you would still need to have it officially witnessed. But those are very rare. It would be a situation like someone is on his deathbed or something. Mm. Um, there might be some other rare circumstances where that could be allowed. And I also wanted to add, again, if we're breathing with both lungs, east and west, mm -hmm. the, the church of the east and the church of the west, the eastern church uh, has a different understanding here and the priest is the minister of the sacrament in the East, and uh, it's just always good to recognize we in the Latin rite, we Roman Catholics, our canon law applies to us, and there's a different set of laws that apply. There's also lots of overlap in the law between East and West, but there's a different set of, of laws that apply to mm -hmm. how Eastern Catholics get married. So, I just wanted to add that into the mix. Yeah, it is interesting stuff. Yeah, uh, you know, it's interesting. A simple question can go a lot of different Yeah, and, and ways. I'm not a canon lawyer, so this, this is all based on my experience uh, working in the Marriage and Family Life Office of a diocese and needing to at least have a general knowledge mm -hmm. of canon law. But if, if you have specific questions, please go directly to your pastor and uh, have those addressed directly. Mm -hmm. We had a question about this in this time of the kind of safe social distancing, can a person go to confession over FaceTime? That was a question we had. Yeah, well, let's let's uh, 
enter into that? There, the the answer is no. Okay. But I, what I want to enter into is the why mm. of that, and the why of that. If you think about it, this, is fascinating. Fascinating. Apostolic succession. What does that mean? It means that there is a power passed from Christ's body. When he was on this earth 2,000 years ago, he laid his hands on 12 men. And the power, remember, in, think of lots of scenes in the Gospels where Jesus is healing. How does he heal? He heals through his body, right? The, the woman with the hemorrhage, she reaches out to touch Jesus. And he says, who touched me? Well, there's a crowd around you, Jesus. What do you mean, who touched you? And he says, no, 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 power went out from my body. Isn't that an amazing story? I felt it. Yeah. And she felt it in her body, right? Mm-hmm. Power goes out from his body into her body. Think of the healing of the blind man or the deaf man. You know, Jesus sticks his fingers in this guy's ears and power goes out from his body, right? So 2,000 years ago. Jesus put his hands on 12 men and power went out from his body into their bodies. And they in turn put their hands on other men and power went out from their bodies to their bodies. And there is an unbroken line called apostolic succession. That when you go into the confessional and that priest present body to body, power, the power of Jesus that has a direct line in an unbroken chain of the laying on of hands 2,000 years back. The power of Jesus's that went out from Jesus's body is now going through that priest and into your body, right? So, we're talking about an incarnational presence. Mm. That is not present. An incarnational presence is not present on a telephone call or on FaceTime, Mm. right? So, What we're saying, we're talking about, and you've heard me say this before, even in a a recent episode where I was talking about my trip to the Holy Land, I talked about the scandal of the hick. Mm -hmm. It's the idea that, yes, God is everywhere. Well, well, God is everywhere. Why, Why can't I just say, Lord, forgive my sins? God is everywhere. God is everywhere. But there's also, we have to reckon with the both and, that yes, God is everywhere, but the scandal of the hick means here, hick means here. In Latin, and God entered time. God took on flesh. We cannot dispense with the incarnation. He took on flesh to meet us in our flesh. We must safeguard the incarnation. Indeed, the spirit of the Antichrist, St. John tells us, is how do we how do we know the difference between the Holy Spirit and the spirit of the Antichrist, these unholy spirits? The Holy Spirit will always recognize and uphold the incarnation, Christ in the flesh. The Antichrist, those unholy spirits, deny Christ come in the flesh. How are we healed? How are we forgiven? It is not through some kind of spiritual osmosis. It's, it's, it's through the body of Christ that we are healed. It's through the blood of Christ that we are cleansed. These Mysteries, these incarnate bodily mysteries are communicated body to body. Mm. And we have to respect that. We have to honor that. We have to acknowledge that. Now, we brought up earlier, we're saying that, you know, a lot of our, 
our sacramental realities we're not able to experience right now. We're in, we're in extraordinary circumstances. Here's a very important truth. We are bound by those sacramental realities, but God is not. God is not bound by his sacraments. The sacraments, the church uses language such as this, uh, when it's talking about baptism, for example, and salvation. The church knows of no other means. Hmm. That doesn't mean there aren't other means. The church is acknowledging this is our inheritance. Our inheritance is the gift of the sacraments. And it's acknowledging, though, implicitly there, God is not bound by the sacraments. God is bigger than the sacraments, but we should avail ourselves of what we know to be the certain, infallible, indispensable means of our salvation, which come to us body to body through the incarnate reality, which is the church continuing the mystery of the incarnation through the sacraments. That's excellent. And all I can just picture is each priest receiving that power to give absolution at the time of his ordination, which is bodily. He's present with his bishop, given that gift. And I love that image of that is Jesus's power that's yes. being passed. It's given to the priest bodily, and he gives the absolution to us in his bodily presence. It's very, it's very powerful to it think is. about. It's, and if you want to talk about it in terms of what the spousal theology illuminates, the consummation of the marriage cannot happen on a, on a telephone call. It's body to body. Mm-hmm. And the sacraments all have that, that marital shape, that marital form, as John Paul II says. John Paul II in the Theology of the Body says, marriage is not only one of the seven sacraments, it is the prototype and model of all of the sacraments. New life comes to us through that paradigm of body-to-body communion. That's the mystery. That's the Christian mystery. Body-to-body communion. I have another question to share with our listeners. An anonymous young woman says, I'm a 23-year-old from a foreign country. I love hearing your podcasts. I have a question that's been troubling my heart for a long time. When I was 19, I lost my virginity to a boyfriend. At the time, I didn't know anything about theology of the body. Now that I've grown in my faith and knowledge, I've met great guys who have been waiting for marriage, but I fear I'm not good enough for them because I'm not a virgin. Bless you, dear sister. Bless you. Bless you, bless you, bless you. Bless you. I'm hearing the scripture that we really, really need to take to heart. As far as the east is from the west, so are your sins from you. This is, this is the gift. This, this plays in right to what we are saying about the sacrament of confession. What happens in that sacrament of confession? And we're just going to assume here, since you are a practicing Catholic, that you have confessed your sins. What happens in that confession? The power that flows through Jesus' body, the power of his death and resurrection, in his death and resurrection, what, what is the death, resurrection, and ascension, ascension of Jesus all about? It's about sending the Holy Spirit. And what does the priest say? The Holy Spirit was sent among us for the forgiveness of sins. 
And I absolve you of your sins in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Those words are words of power. Power. And I I invite you to to meditate on those words of absolution again. Words that we're we're just going to assume you've already heard. But to receive them deep into your body and your soul. Now, Forgiveness is one thing. Healing is another. The wounds can remain from our sinfulness. And so there may be need, and apparently, just based on your question, you're feeling that need for a a deeper healing. I can certainly, certainly relate. We, when we got married in in our time, actually, of our our time of engagement, we were addressing some of these issues because... Wendy had waited for her husband, and I had been in a relationship as a teenager where I had lost my virginity, and we needed to work through those issues. And I remember, Wendy, your love for me in that place of vulnerability and feeling unlovable. That's what I really felt. Mm -hmm. I felt like I was unlovable Mm -hmm. because I had screwed up so royally. Mm. I thought, how could you possibly love me there? Mm. Well, that was <laughs> that was not um, really trusting in your heart and your ability to love me, and it wasn't trusting in God's love for me. And you taught me that I'm loved there. That's what I didn't, I had already confessed those sins, but I still held on to this idea that I'm not lovable because mm-hmm. I screwed up so badly. Mm-hmm. That I just want to say to this dear listener who wrote this question, that is a lie. You are loved deeply and profoundly right in that place, right in that place. I'm thinking of the woman caught in adultery. I'm thinking of the woman at the well. These women encountered the love of Jesus right in their brokenness. And I invite you to meditate on both of those passages, the woman at the well in the Gospel of John and the woman caught in adultery in the Gospel of John. I'd really encourage you to read through that prayerfully and put yourself in the the position of those women and receive the love of Christ, your bridegroom, there. And I, I have something just to say also that what, a lot of what you're talking about is the love of the Lord and the forgiveness of the Lord. And I think that is so crucial to realize that that need to know that I'm still loved is first and foremost, it's a sign that we need to know God's love for us. And in our relationships as dating people and as spouses, there are going to be shining moments where the grace of the Lord flows through us for the other person. And so if you're on the receiving end of that, you're receiving the Lord's love through this other person. There are also going to be times when we fail in that regard. And we have experienced that as well. And I think it would be wrong to give the impression that that that's not ever going to happen right, right. or that it won't hurt. Right. It can still hurt, but if we have that reference place to go back to of the Lord's love, then we may even be given the grace to have compassion on the one who has failed to love us at, yes, in, in that yes, place where yes. we needed to be loved. And not to deny that that's 
painful, but that that's our, our life as Christians is to to really open our hearts up to the Lord's love and really strive to become the vessel and of that love to others. And we will fail and we will suffer at times. But to come back to that, that same lesson over and over again, it's the Lord who loves me perfectly. It's the Lord who gives me the grace to forgive myself, to forgive others who have struggled to love me as I know I am loved by God. So all of that, if we can just point you to the Lord and His abundance of love and mercy in all circumstances, if our lives aren't a testimony to that, then I don't know what they are. But we have experienced those things. Yes. And so I I appreciate that word. It's been troubling your heart. I can relate to that sense, and I think many people can. Um, and it's just a sign of a place where like that flow of grace is is really needed in abundance in that troubled part of your heart and to set you free to then forgive even those who through their own fallenness fail to love you there you know that if you do that by the power of the lord in your personal prayer and just in the ways that you look at those memories you know if you can see them through the lord's eyes of love for you thinking of various couples that I've met over the years, married couples who even years into their relationship are suffering from past sexual sins that, that happened even before they met one another. And we've been through that as well, you and I, Wendy. And I think there, there are two points here that are very important to acknowledge. And, and you're in your own way, Wendy, you're, you're acknowledging this. And they, they can't be swept under the rug Number one is our sin really does hurt other people. It really does. So forgiveness and when we talk about God's grace does not mean that that pain gets swept under the rug. Rather, it means that that pain gets opened up and is transformed into love. This is the witness of Christ on the cross. He, it would be utterly foolish to say sin doesn't cause pain if you've meditated on what the crucifixion of Jesus is. The crucifixion of Jesus is Jesus feeling and experiencing the pain of our sin. But this is the miracle. He transforms that pain into love. He transforms that pain into forgiveness Forgive them, Father. They don't know what they're doing. This is the miracle that our pain, don't sweep it under the rug, uh, either the pain of having committed the sin or if you're in a relationship where you're with someone, this, this woman who wrote us is saying she's concerned that other men won't be able to love her because of her past sins. And there, there are, there's no doubt that a man will feel that pain. But remember the call of Christian love and Christian marriage. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. The husband is invited, and by the miracle of God's grace, it is real, to offer that pain to become transformed into love. And it's not a love that hangs guilt over the person's head. That's not love at all. The eyes of Christ are piercing in two senses. When we allow Christ's merciful gaze to pierce us, 
He's not saying your sin didn't cause me any pain, but he's allowing us to see in his piercing gaze that the pain our sin has caused him has been transformed into love. That's the miracle. Don't sweep any of it under the rug, but enter into the miracle of Christ's merciful gaze. And if we have trouble showing that mercy to others, I'm thinking again of various couples I've, I've worked with over the years and known who have really struggled to show one another that kind of mercy. Just remember this principle, you cannot give what you do not have. If we are having difficulty showing mercy to others, it's an indication that we are in need ourselves of opening more deeply to God's mercy. I remember, Wendy, 10 years ago, you and I were going through a really difficult time, and my sins were causing you a lot of pain. And there was one morning, I will never forget it, I was lying in bed after a a night of very difficult sleep and a lot of tears, and my eyes were bloodshot because I had been crying so much seeing Mm. how my sins had hurt you. And I heard you, I'll never forget it, I heard you on the piano, which you can hear through the floor in our, in our bedroom. The piano is right below our bed. And you were on the piano singing, The Lord is kind and merciful. The Lord is kind and merciful. Mm-hmm. And I, I'll never forget it. It still to this day pierces me. And I knew you were singing that to me. It's real. It's real. Mm. It's real. Yeah. Thank you. Mm-hmm. He is. The Lord is kind and merciful. Without that, what? Where, how can we possibly stand? This idea that my sins are not as bad as somebody else's and I can hold something over somebody else's head. What planet are you living on? That is not the Christian planet. That is, and, and, and if that's where you are, open that Open that to God's mercy. Open that to God's mercy. The ground is level at the foot of the cross. When we realize this, we're in a place of really entering into what it means to love. And in that journey, we are going to be confronted by our own inability to love in that way. But even there, there's an opportunity to open to God's mercy. Again, it's all about His mercy. Amen. Amen. Well, that brings us to the close of this episode. Mm -hmm. And I do have a special request for our listeners. If you have been blessed by this work that we do here, would you please consider, especially at this time, we're in a particular need. uh, Would you consider becoming a patron of the work of the Theology of the Body Institute? Even $5 a month goes a long way. When we have enough people giving 5 or 10 or $20 a month to this ministry, uh, it can see us through hard times. And we are. Yeah, it's reality. We're, we're in uncertain times. Our, our main source of funding the ministry is dried up for we don't know how long. Uh, we're going to be working on creative ways to continue to reach out to you guys, online offerings, uh, so please stay posted at our website. We're going to be making some announcements in the coming days and weeks about 
uh, new initiatives we're going to be launching under the circumstances because we cannot travel. At this point, it's still uncertain, as we all know, but at this point, we are planning on having the uh, TOB1 course here in Pennsylvania in June, assuming things clear up. But if they don't, we will find ways of doing that online. In fact, this very week that this podcast is airing at the end of March of 2020, we were scheduled to have a a TOB1 course at Black Rock Retreat Center here in Pennsylvania. And we are offering that for the very first time. We're offering that online to those who registered. So if we need to, we're going to continue to offer our courses online, uh, but we'll find ways to get through this. But if you if you have been blessed by this ministry and maybe in the past you've thought, yeah, I'd, I'd like to be a patron, but you just haven't gotten around to it, now would be a great time to get around to it. <laughs> <laughs> we are trusting wholly and entirely on the Lord's providence, but if you're feeling tapped on the shoulder to be part of that Lord's providence for our ministry at this time, we would be so grateful. You can learn more in the show notes. Just click on there to learn about how to become a patron. Mm -hmm. We love you guys. We're so happy to stay in touch through this podcast. We're going to continue recording these for you. And uh, we're in this together. The Lord's going to see us through. And we praise you, Lord. We praise you, Lord. You give, you take away, but blessed be your name. Remember, everyone, you are an indispensable, irreplaceable, unrepeatable gift of life and love. Become what you are. Ask Christopher West comes to you from the Theology of the Body Institute with music by Mike Mangione and production by Sounder and Key. Christopher and Wendy hope the information presented is helpful to you, but remind you that they are not licensed counselors. If you're going through serious difficulty, you can find a list of trusted counselors and psychologists in the show notes. <laughs>